everybody. Good afternoon. This is Drew Stevens here with another episode of Wisdom to Wealth, the financial consulting, financial advisory podcast to bring you the best information and education to help you understand paths for retirement and plans for living the lifestyle and having the legacy that you want to have. I have on with me today, Larissa Stefan, who, believe it or not, also is a financial advisor. The interesting thing about Larissa that you'll find out momentarily is she's helping people to make fortunes under 40. So we're going to talk to Larissa a little bit this afternoon to find out financial expertise for that millennial or the Gen Z crowd that's actually coming up and doesn't get that financial expertise that's out in the market today. So Larissa, welcome. Nice to have you with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure for you to be here. Hey, listen, you know, you do a lot with young professionals. So tell us to start this uh, broadcast off a little bit about what you do and how you help your marketplace. Yeah, so I work a lot in the behavioral finance area, and I help with debt elimination and people who just make decent money, but can't seem to figure out how to manage it properly. So they maybe aren't saving and investing any, and they don't have any at the end of the month. So I'm really helping people change their mindset, change their behavior so that we can turn that around. So you help that paycheck to poverty mentality and try to reverse it from what I understand. Yes. The interesting yes. thing is, is that I'm hearing that word behavior come up, you know, and I look at financial advisement, especially when I talk to people, there's a lack of education just in the secondary schools. There's a lack of education even at the collegiate level, you know, if unless you're really interested in finance, you're not going to take it. So walk me through both your thoughts on being educated in financial services as well as the behavior that you conduct for your clients that helps them understand why they need to be more astute. Yeah, so they definitely go together. As you become more educated, you start to become more aware of the potential behaviors that come with your finances. So you can't know if you're impulse spending, if you don't necessarily know that's a potential problem, right? And you can't know if you know you're, you should be paying yourself first, or you just aren't putting things where they need to go if you don't have the education and that information. So my coaching focuses very heavily on that education part. We're talking together. It's also a little bit like a money therapy session where I'm talking to you about how you feel about money and we're bouncing off of each other on, okay, so here's what I'm hearing. How does that make you feel? Okay, how do we go from there? And really just talking through the exact issues and then finding a better way to manage them. What do you find creates debt? In other words, for young folks that are just getting started, maybe they're 25, 26, they're out of college or they're 35, they're established somewhat in their career, where does the debt come from? I really think it's a slow lifestyle creep that most of what I've seen, it's people who you know got their master's degree maybe, so they had that student loan debt, and then they go into a high paying job. And then they think that money from that high paying job will go a lot further than it will because they've never necessarily had that level of money. So then they keep increasing their lifestyle, they're using their credit cards, their credit cards aren't getting paid off. And it's really just an increasing detrimental cycle that they'll continue along until they start to realize that it is a problem. And for most people, they don't really realize that because their mentality is, oh, well, I make $150,000 a year, it shouldn't be a problem. 
You know, as you're talking and even looking at your bio, one of the first things I thought of because of my background in, in this, and especially because of some of the work I've done on strategy, is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the, you know, the five laws of behavior that Maslow has. To a certain extent, does some of that debt <clears throat> and where the debt is creation is there, is there a lack of that self-appreciation, self-motivation? Do you find that some of the debt that these people are having is from something in their career? Maybe mom and dad never really taught them about living a, a good lifestyle and having liquidity, what liquidity is all about. And especially, my goodness, you take the last two years, two and a half years into consideration Everything has been safe, safe, safe. The U.S. government has been giving me money. So the expectation, the precedent is almost there. Oh, I'm always going to have money in my bank account. Yeah, that definitely is a big part of it. Um, there are a lot of people who their families just didn't talk about money. Maybe their parents didn't save for retirement themselves. And maybe there was nobody really for them to get that education from. Obviously, the schooling system's not giving it to us, which is an unfortunate portion of our schooling system that does need to change. So I'm here, you know, to make sure that you get that education and to talk about maybe some of the things your parents have instilled in you. One of the biggest ones I do hear is that it's not appropriate to talk about money and that it's rude. And I've had people say even their parents aren't okay with talking to financial advisors or a financial mm -hmm. professional because they just aren't comfortable talking about money. And that really is a stigma that just holds you back because you can't go anywhere without the proper information. Right. That's the first time I've heard that, you know, I just turned 60 in February. So people have always said, you never talk politics, you never talk religion. So this is the first time I've ever heard, yeah, we don't talk about money, but shouldn't we? Shouldn't it be part of everyday language? I think it should be. I mean, it would help us all get ahead, even if we're just talking about our salaries so that people know what to expect to get paid and people know what to pay for housing. If you talk about how much you're paying for your housing, people know how much food costs in different areas. I mean, the more we talk about money, the more people can benefit from it. So I have a couple of questions as you're talking that I'm thinking about. Systematically, somebody's 25, 27, they come out of college, they, maybe they've gotten their master's and now they're really starting their career. What are some of the steps that you suggest a young professional take in order to move towards, now I pick it up after 40 because I do retirement planning, estate planning, but from that perspective, handoff or not, what does some of the four or five steps that you suggest a young professional take in their career towards savings and financial astuteness? The first one I would say is getting educated and knowing what your circumstances are. If you have student loans, know how much you owe, know what the interest rate is on those and start getting a plan together as quickly as possible to start paying those off. The further you push those back, the longer you're gonna have to deal with them, the more interest you'll pay. So that is something that you absolutely should be trying to handle right after college. From there, if you're going into a job that has a 401k with a match, always take the 401k with the match put in up to the match. It's a hundred percent return on your money from there. You know, we'll go into other brokerage options. We can do a Roth IRA. If you're looking for a tax-free retirement option. I also sometimes do recommend just a regular non-qualified account. If people are looking to retire early, that is something I help out with as well. So there are a couple of options where we can access that money early without any kind of penalty. So we'll start doing those. 
but just making sure that you have your goals in place as well. Know where you want to go. Know where you want to be in five years. Is your plan to buy a house? Okay, think about that now. Start working on that and just move forward and I'll never stop working at it. I mean, this as soon as you stop working at it, you're not going anywhere and you will fall back into some bad habits. I watch it happen all the time. So just continuing forward, do what you can always be looking to save more money and to build that wealth. So this is the fat free uh, financial plan, as they say, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from that perspective, you hit on an interesting point, and that is, it's almost like exercise. You have to continue dieting, you have to continue lifting or running or walking or whatever the exercise regime is. How much then should someone place aside for financial education on a uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis? And when I say education, just being concerned about where they are today. I mean, it depends on how much money you have, right? Obviously, the more income you're bringing in, the more time and energy you want to make sure you're putting into that to make sure you know where it's all going. Um, they say 10% of your income should be going into investment savings or retirements every single month. I think that should be your minimum. Um, if you look at what that actually translates to and how much of your income will be taken into retirement if you save 10%, it's not a whole lot of your income. It's actually less than half. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And most people aren't even saving that 10%, right? They're putting in their 3% 401k match and thinking that's going to cover them. It absolutely won't. So definitely making sure that you're getting at least 10% in there and doing it as quickly as possible because that money you invest in your 20s is worth twice as much as in your 30s and four times as much as in your 40s once you add in that compound interest. And you and I are alike that way because I tell people it's 15 to 20% contributory from your basically 20s and 30s all the way through. But if you're starting late, I go with a less conservative, a more conservative approach, excuse me, which is five or 10%. Look, if you're 50, 55, the runway is shorter now. So let's just take five or 10% of that. And, you know, you talked about annuities and some sort of investment before you can fund some of those at a hundred bucks a month. And I use a bagel and a coffee approach. You know, you take Starbucks, for instance, forget a Frappuccino right now, but that and a, uh, a bagel, figure a couple of bucks, maybe five bucks a day, that's really nothing over the course of a month to put into your investment that you'll be able to use at some point. Do you feel the same way? Yes, I do. I actually, one of the things that always gets me is when I ask people where they can start cutting back and the first thing they say is Starbucks. I'm like, we can cut Starbucks, but that's not that big of an expense. That's not right. going to give us a lot of money to put away. There are definitely other avenues that we can cut. I'm all for keep the Starbucks because it's really not that much money if you can cut something else. True. Very true. So one last question, a couple of last questions for you. We're at runaway inflation. You know, the, the econ economists look, uh, look that I look at it in Bloomberg every single day, eight and a half percent. I don't believe that. I think it's 9% or higher. You're looking at food costs, uh, meat, dairy is up by 23, 24%. Lumber for heaven's sakes is up well over 50% of where it was this time last year. You take into account the housing market and now the price of gasoline, which is about the same price as a cup of uh, Frappuccino from Starbucks at this point. What are, your, what are you then telling your target market about inflation, about potential recession, and about recession and financial literacy 
from this particular perspective? Yeah, so right now I'm definitely saying try and keep more cash if you can. I mean, I am not usually a huge proprietor for savings accounts, but I do think as we're potentially going into a recession, having some extra cash in that savings account would be a great idea. Um, when I make budgets, I always budget in extra money. So there's always an extra few hundred bucks depending on it. That's just, it says extra because there's always going to be extra that you spend and nobody ever does account for that. Nothing ever comes out perfect in your budget. So we'll put in an extra section and that'll give you a little bit a cushion so that if one month you're noticing you're spending more of that extra section or maybe you went over that extra section we can go through figure out where that came from i have seen a lot of people their budgets are way out of whack from the gas prices it's just something i mean we're gonna have to get through and if you don't plan to get through it you're planning to fail during the recession you know very similar to COVID. it ended you know yeah we're still getting cases but it not it's not what it was in march of 2020 for sure so it's kind of receded to a certain extent but and inflation will be the same thing it'll go down it's just a matter of when and people need to understand that so from that financial literacy perspective you know we know that inflation will come down interest rates are going to rise what are the three tips that you're giving to your market as interest rates rise, market volatility, things to be aware of, because obviously different markets, they're going to freak a little bit more. The retirement <clears throat> age 50 plus, they're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to use my money for retirement. It's all going to be gone. You're talking about someone you know, in their 20s and 30s that still has a 30-year runway to retirement. So what are some of your best practices given today's market volatility? Yeah, so the first one's definitely don't pull your money out. If you are currently losing money, then you're just taking a permanent loss at that point. So don't pull that money out. If you were investing, keep investing the same amount. The markets have historically always come back. There is nothing to say that they won't come back just as strong as they always have. And recessions make a lot of millionaires. So if you can stick it out, if you can invest properly, then keep investing. As far as interest rates go, for people who were looking to buy a house, it actually could be a good thing for a lot of them. It does mean that you can't afford as much house, but there are a lot of people who weren't getting houses because of the competition. And with the rising interest rates, that competition is significantly decreasing which is giving people a better chance at getting a home without a ton of cash, because that has been the biggest issue that people are having right now is if you don't have enough cash down, someone's going to beat you. Well, that's kind of wavering out because investors aren't so much in the market with the higher interest rates. And there are a lot of people who are being priced out of the market with the interest rates. And it, again, if you look at recessions, the only one that the housing market has been affected by was the 2008 recession. There were a lot of other factors behind that one. So I wouldn't expect the housing market to go down. I'd expect it to stabilize, but not go down. So definitely just continuing to work towards those goals and be aware of the recession, but don't let it stop you. You know, with that in mind, Larissa, one of the things I was thinking of most recently, and I've been talking quite a bit about, um, not only on this show, but for other articles and broadcasts, is that when you look at the housing market as a good example, especially for your group that are maybe first-time home buyers, we have people, and you mentioned something that's very interesting, folks that bought homes for cash, but they probably paid 50% more than the home value was worth. 
<clears throat> so years ago in the 80s, late 90s, it used to be, well, look for foreclosures. Let, let's see what foreclosures are going to hold, hold true. With 2 3% interest rates, I don't see a lot of foreclosures. But do you see, as an example, short sales? It would Are there real estate opportunities that maybe as an alternative vehicle that your home buyers have not considered before that they should be looking for? Um, I haven't seen very many foreclosures. Um, I did recently buy my house and with the change in the way that they were doing loans, I mean, I know it was very difficult to get my home loan. It's not easy. Like they said it was in 2008. So it, I don't see so many people foreclosing. However, the houses that aren't turnkey, the houses that aren't beautiful, fully remodeled, redone, those are starting to sit on the market longer, which does leave opportunity for you to come in and give a lower offer and get a deal on that house. Because everyone on the market really does want that turnkey, newly remodeled home that they don't have to do anything to. So if you're willing to buy the fixer upper, you can get a great deal on that, let some appreciation go through. And once you remodel it, it'll immediately be worth more. So I really think that that opportunity right now is in just those non-preferred homes that aren't pretty. Great thought. And I'll leave you with this last question. And that is your group, <clears throat> younger, they're really into, they're re- into risk taking, you know, the financial markets always say the rule of 100 or now what's being changed to the rule of 120 minus the age, there's the risk tolerance factor. Younger folks, my kids are 28 and 26. So they're very risky. My son is very much into Bitcoin and digital currencies and uh, short squeezes and all of that. What is your suggestion, just given a lot of the market volatility and using that for financial literacy so that they understand the markets a little bit better? I think the biggest thing is just making sure that your risk is balanced. I'm all for taking big risks. Um, Bitcoin is a huge risk, but I know people really like it, right? Um, My husband owns Bitcoin, so can't say much about it. But you do have to understand that it is higher risk, right? Bitcoin can disappear tomorrow and you could lose all that money. Is it likely? Probably not at this point, but it is still possible. Obviously, it's possible with the stock markets too, but the stock markets are a little bit more established. So there's more data behind them in what will happen in the recession because we don't really know what's happening with bitcoin a recession hasn't happened yet right. so just making sure that that risk is well balanced because if you lose everything then you are more than likely going to become loss averse and risk averse and you're not and going to end up reinvesting for retirement and then you're not going to retire it's high risk high reward but sometimes high risk no reward <laughs> <laughs> exactly Great stuff. So what are some pearls that you can leave our listeners with as we depart this episode today? I think the biggest thing that can change your life is pay more attention to your finances. Look at your statements, pay attention to where your money's going. I've met a lot of people who don't even know exactly how much money they bring in per month. These are important numbers for you to make sure that you actually know what's going on and that you are on your path to a financially free future and a comfortable retirement. Great advice. And how do people get in touch with you, Larissa? So I am very active on LinkedIn. I've just started. I'm kind of on Instagram. I'm kind of on Twitter. You know, you can kind of find me wherever. But um, I do have a website, larissasteff.com, where you can find a link to all of those. And I offer a free 15-minute call for anyone who might want to learn more and see if we'd be a good fit to work together.
Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here today on Wisdom and Wealth. I certainly appreciate it and know our listeners do. And I uh, hope to have you back at another time in the future. Yeah, it'd be great. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Folks, this has been another episode of Wisdom to Wealth. This is Drew Stevens. To find out more information, look me up at www.drew-stevens.com. Stevens is with a V. And we'll see you next time here with another broadcast on financial education to help you create the liquidity and the lifestyle that you want so that you can leave a lasting legacy. We'll see you next time.